Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. When you have an inkling of an idea, go for it. Don't sit on it because you could regret it later or you might not have an amazing opportunity developed because of it. So I would say I'm about going for it, doing it, and then it's not being perfect, but it's done. And also no regrets. Absolutely. Do stuff. If you think you'll regret not doing it, Uh, then you should probably do it, you know, as long as it's law abiding and doesn't hurt anybody. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with poly innovator Dustin Miller and with photographer John D'Amato, then do go check them out but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest today, Lee Wehara, a former teacher and reporter turned podcaster. Lee is the co-founder of Podthon, a virtual conference for podcasters, and the co-founder of the Asian American Podcasters Association. She also runs four podcasts herself and produces many others for clients. In our discussion today, Lee talked to me about the keys to staging a successful online event. We talked about keeping your vision in focus and taking action towards that vision. And Lee shared an interesting anecdote about a fly. Think Mike Pence. And the lesson from that anecdote. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Lee Wehara. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast, all the way from New York in the USA, Lee Wehara, who's a podcaster, a photographer, a speaker, an author, and she's co-host of Podthon and host of the House of Lee show. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Lee. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you so much. I I, you, I didn't know you were going to say so much about me. Oh my gosh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, you've got so many amazing guests. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jurgen. You know, it's the year of the ox. Did you know that? The year of the ox? No, I didn't. I haven't caught up <laughs> with that fact yet, but I'm, I'm just amazed that, I mean, 2020 just flew by and of course we had so much stuff go on in 2020. So 2021 can only be better, can't it? Seriously, right? New horizons, great things to uh, to do. Oh, by the way, do you have any New Year tradition? Um, not really. 
So what I do is on the first day of the new year, I try to do something physical like a bike ride and I drag my kid along and I figure it's a good time to do it in the morning because everybody else is, you know, recovering from their hangovers. That's right. Well, I I actually do take advantage of of those times. Yeah. So when when it's quieter. Hmm. Exactly. So, you know, I, I just hope that your listeners have an amazing 2021. Yes, all the best for 2021, and let's hope that we get this get on top of this virus all across the world. There's exciting developments with immunizations and anti or vaccines coming down the track. So let's hope we can get back to some some sense of normal and have a kind of a boring year in some ways. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good point. Hmm. All right. Well, I had the honor to be one of the presenters on Podthon 20, where, where I first met you, and you hosted that together with Danielle Desia. So it's wonderful to kind of follow up on, on that appearance there with a conversation here on the Innova Buzz podcast. You know, and that's everybody listening needs to know that that's how it works. When you connect, then you connect, right? Yeah, that's right. It's all about building human relationships. Now, you started off your career, I guess, as a teacher, and then you transitioned at some point to podcaster and photographer. And I know you also do a little bit of bike training, which is another hobby of mine. Now, how did you first start podcasting? And how did that kind of come about that you transitioned from teaching into podcasting? Right. Well, we have to turn the clock back a little bit before the teaching where I was in publishing and, and was an actual news reporter. <laughs> and oh, so right. I, yes. And so I had the equipment in a drawer collecting dust somewhere. And one day I decided uh, to pull it out, but with a friend who said that she would like to start a podcast together and that didn't pan out, but I had the equipment on my kitchen table. So I thought, why not? It's Hmm. out. And, and I've been thinking about doing a podcast for forever, like probably some of the listeners. And I have to tell you, just get started. And that's really what I did. I sat down and I just started recording. I thought now is better time than any. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting though you so I guess you had the equipment because you, your intention was to use it in your news reporting career but then you the motivation for starting the podcast was more I've got this equipment I might as well use it so what did you start podcasting about in the early days <laughs> In the early days, yes. So I really had no plan other than, you know what, I had started a YouTube channel and I had this tip. I made a video called, uh, I think, 12 plus tips on how to stay warm at an outdoor football game. And uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and so I thought I would use that as the basis. I, I, I knew I wanted to provide tips of some sort, uh, hacks or, you know, resourceful living ideas. And so I thought, well, let me let me start with that one because that's content I already had. You know, repurposing content is fabulous mm. for this purpose, especially when I had no idea what I was really going to do the show about uh, long term, you know. And so I think I also might have done a review of uh, an NBC show here called This Is Us and the Jimmy Fallon show and maybe even the half bowl, uh, sorry, the halftime Super Bowl performance 
moments uh, here in the U.S. <laughs> it was really not not planned out at all. Yeah, and and what kind of what was the transition then to something that had a, a coherent theme going through it? Well, and that's what I think folks find is as they do their shows and they're moving along, you you refine things or fine tune them. And that's what I did. And so House of Lee NYC became a show for life's random hacks, how to's, tips and DIYs. And I recently started a new show. Can I tell you about that one? Mm, sure. So I'm nine episodes in at the time of our recording here today, and I decided to put it all together, all those things that you mentioned in my bio. So I started a local neighborhood news show. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so okay. full circle going back to the news news reporter. There you go. <laughs> mm. We can't we can't we cannot run away from who we are, I guess, in the end. Yeah. And and so this is about what's happening in your local community? Correct. Hmm. And so how are you getting the word out about that one? So anytime I meet someone, which is what I would do with any other show, is, hey, do you listen to podcasts? And no? Oh, can I show you? Will you pull out your phone? Let me show you how this works. <laughs> Let me subscribe for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those people that subscribes to somebody else. <laughs> yes. Ah, it's been working. <laughs> mm. All right. Um, well, let's talk about Podthon then. And when did you start first start Podthon and, and why? Sure. Well, thank you for asking. So we're now going on to our third year and Podthon is an annual virtual conference and we started it well before COVID. And so as again, we're in our third year and I also co-founded Asian American Podcasters Association and I got together with Danielle Desir, who's the founder of the Women of Color Podcasters group. And we formed Podthon as a way to highlight podcasters of color as speakers. And we wanted to provide a stage for folks to present their amazing content and then go on to other bigger stages globally, which is what has happened. And the reason we started is because we noticed at the time many rejections were going out in terms of speaker submissions and speaker notices at other bigger podcasting conferences. And we thought, why, why wait for somebody to say no? Let's just start it. Get it going. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good tip there. If you're getting lots of rejections from pitches you're making, start your own. That's right. Mm. <laughs> Which is why I started the news show. <laughs> All right. The um, So what, what were some of the challenges when you first decided to start Podthon? I mean, you mentioned it was uh, your intent was to go virtual right from the Get go. So it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It was a conscious decision, just as a business model. What What were some of the challenges to get it off the ground and get people on board and get it up and running? Yes, all of that. <laughs> so we we had to find speakers. We had to find attendees. We had to let people know about it and create create awareness and excitement for it. And then what was your final question? How we got it up and running? We used Zoom. <laughs> Zoom is amazing. I've been an account holder for years. 
Hmm. All right. The, so Zoom, when you Zoom was what you did for the sessions itself. The um, one of the things I was curious about, and I can't even remember how I how I came across Podthon and and what kind of prompted me to get in touch. But I guess it was I must have seen something that said calling for speakers, and I thought, well, I'll put in a pitch, and obviously got accepted. I was really impressed with the whole process that you went through in looking after speakers and getting speakers prepared, knowing what to expect from their sessions. So well done on that because I've had other experiences that were total opposite right across the spectrum up to really good. And um, how did you, so what kind of things did you do to promote and get the word out to attract speakers? Uh, well, thank you for the compliment. Uh, we do take pride in the way we run things and how we got word out is we just sent word to everyone we knew, hey, would you mind sharing that we have a speaker window open, a submission process open, and please, if it resonates with you, please share it. And that's what folks did. You know, not everybody did. You're always going to run into a no somewhere, right? But it's uh, it's to, you know, put that to the side and keep going. Hmm. And what, what were your criteria for selecting speakers? So with anything you want quality content you want a really good pitch and one that it tells folks what they're going to get from the presentation but also a really attention grabbing title for your talk right so no one wants to hear oh here are 10 years of what i've learned through podcasting well that's yeah. not a very punchy catchy phrase is it you just have to repackage it so hmm. we were and we were also looking for qualitative uh, presenters, meaning people who were really uh, invested in putting on a good talk. Hmm. And I think um, in an earlier conversation we had, you talked about actually settling for a much lower number of speakers than you had planned initially because the quality was so important. Yes. And so we decided that we wanted quality over quantity. So if that meant we only had 10 speakers, then that's what we were going with. And fortunately, I think the first year we had our uh, almost 20, I think, for the two days. But you're right. Hmm. We, you know, we don't want to waste anybody's time and we don't want to waste our own time. And certainly we don't want to waste time of, of the speakers, too. Hmm. Yeah. And then and it was certainly a pretty impressive lineup the second time around and I had the privilege also to be on a panel discussion and the other people on that panel I was completely blown away so I know you've introduced me to one of those people but that was a fascinating conversation um, that really I mean it was totally free flow it was all about um, how you conduct interviews if I remember correctly and that was all that we were given in terms of coming to the party, there were three questions and then we had a bit of a rehearsal, got to know one another and um, it was just magic. So really good quality content. I'm looking forward to finding out what's going to happen in 2021. So do you have plans on the books already? We do. We do. July 17 and 18, sorry, July 17, 18, 2021. So yes, the it's in the books. And we are in planning stages now. So we're excited as, as well. Thank you so much. Hmm. 
All right. Well, I'll have to keep a lookout for that and uh, we'll make sure that people know about it so they can listen in. And if they have a really good topic or are a really good speaker and can contribute some valuable information, then certainly apply for that. Because as a speaker, as a past speaker, I can say it was a wonderful experience going through the experience of presenting there, but also the the whole uh, process from beginning to end. And even the lovely touch of a, a personal thank you card from you and Danielle with a photo of the two of you with headsets on, if I remember correctly, and a little badge, a little Podthon badge. So yeah, it was a really wonderful experience all around. Oh, well, thank you so much. You know, we, we, we wanted to say thank you somehow. So I'm glad that that, that, that touched and reached you. I'm glad it made it over to Australia from New York City. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Didn't end up in a river somewhere like a lot of the votes, apparently. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move past that one. Um, so you talked about the rejection from the big conferences. So tell us a little bit more about that in terms of what your experience is there, because I had a recent experience and I thought that was a bit poor, not because of the rejection, because of the uh, basically just being ignored. And what? Not what happened? Well, it was um, it was the podcast movement that went virtual, and I thought when they went virtual, I got excited, and I thought, oh, I can go along because I hadn't budgeted on traveling to the US for the live event, and I thought, well, it's virtual, great, I'll participate, and I'll put in a speaker submission, which I did, and I got a, an acknowledgement saying we received your speaker submission, we'll be back in touch, and that was the last I heard of it until oh, wow. you know, until they started sending out the um, the anticipation emails of saying, "Hey, we've we've here's the first set of speakers," and then you know later on they announced another um, bunch of speakers, and I thought, well, I guess I I didn't get a gig, but it would have been nice if they had have come back and said, "I'm sorry, we had all these wonderful submissions, and you missed out on this occasion." I mean, that wow. would have been that would have been at least yes. uh, I thought the right way to do it. I'm sorry that happened. Did you email them and and ask what happened? But uh, in their defense, I know that they do send out things. So maybe yours went mixed through the cracks. I don't know. But mm. I'm sorry that happened. That's, you know, we, we do our best to even even folks who don't make it to the speaker round. We do send them an email. And uh, I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I might send them an email just... I just have to be a bit careful because, as I say, it's not it's not about the rejection. If they had to come back and said, "Sorry, you missed out," it would have I wouldn't have been thrilled about it, but it would have been okay. I know I'm, I, you know, and and maybe some feedback would have even been great too. You know, next time, give us something more interesting or whatever. <laughs> right, right. But what what's been your experience? You talked about lots of rejections from the big conferences. So I have I have pretty much been able to speak at most conferences I apply to, uh, but there have been a couple where it just didn't work out for me. But in terms of the the rejections when we started Podthon, we we noticed a lot of people were getting rejected or or just not accepted, and a fair amount were you know, podcasters of color. And so we thought, well, let's just create our own stage. <laughs> hmm. And that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit sad that that's still going on these days, but I guess we're seeing signs of that all across society, unfortunately. 
Well, and I think things are getting better little by little. You know, they're there. I think because what's important is when we see something, we should really just say something and speak mm-hmm. up. And even if it's just a, a simple mention of, hey, did you notice anything about your entire speaker <laughs> schedule? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, there are nice ways to say that kind of thing. But I, I think it's important to speak up. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's, if you see something, speak about it, speak up. Mm. And I think, what? who's the quote by? The, the All it takes for evil to triumph is for good people to stay silent. Yes, that's a powerful remember. one. I don't, I, mm. anybody, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> we'll look it up afterwards. All right. Now, I noticed you, you're also into photography. Um, have you, uh, is that a lifelong hobby like I have as a lifelong hobby or did that come through your journalism? Right. So I have been a photographer most of my life. Uh, started when I received my first camera, which was the Kodak Brownie way back when. And <laughs> remember that? And uh, well, maybe you're too young for that, but uh, the yeah. 110 cartridges. My first, <laughs> my first one was a box camera. Oh my gosh. Well, see, so you know. Which I still have in my <laughs> oh. cabinet here as a display wow. item. Nice, nice. Well, so then I, I was actually trained as a photographer. I went to school for that, funny enough. And I have been a photographer on the side, I never made it a full time thing until recently I decided to just go ahead and be the photographer I was always meant to be and then COVID hit (laughs) (laughs) so because you would come to me if you want your your photo taken when you're speaking at an event I am I am a keynote slash event action photographer I don't do Mm -hmm. weddings I don't do bar mitzvahs I don't I, I just do strictly people in action as well as environmental portraiture. So that kind of got a little, <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to say about that other than I segued and pivoted to using my photojournalism skills alongside reporting. And I started doing that right before COVID. And I, and I actually worked, I was a speaker and I worked as a photographer at PodFest in uh, Florida before COVID really, we, we, that was like the last live podcasting conference before everything got Mm. shut down. We were all quite fortunate about that. Uh, And then since then I have not been doing speaker photos clearly, uh, but have I answered the question? I don't want to babble on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the timing and the timing is a little unfortunate. I was speaking with John D'Amato, who's a photographer in New York City, and he he's very similar. So he's had um, his photography business for a lot longer, and he was um, it was a thriving business. And of course, when COVID hit, all of a sudden everything he was doing stopped a lot of what he was doing was events and speakers and authors book authors and he's he started doing photography the of virtual events so he actually has figured out a way where he can present photographs of virtual events and also do virtual f- photography for the speaker or the author also which still captures the essence of them and gives them 
some photographic assets that they can use in their marketing and websites and whatever. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, I it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about how to do that because I do that just for funsies and for friends when I know they're in an event. But, you know, the, the fact that somebody's monetizing that, I really need to look into that as well. So that's great. I'm, I'm happy for him. Good, good. Great. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can get back to some semblance of in-person events soon. Uh, I know um, we've um, just had our 20th day here in, in the state. I live in Australia. Our 20th day of zero new cases in the community, zero oh, wow. deaths, which, um, and given where we were two months ago, that is really impressive. Um, wow. It did, it did involve a pretty severe lockdown and severe restrictions on people's movement. Well, I will have to say that uh, just a few hours ago, New York City schools have closed for in-person learning. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, so you're going to have your son at home and doing homeschooling. Yes. Well, there'll still be learning, but, you know, online. Ugh. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm learning. There goes my Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So, with uh, so, how have you brought in that photography into that local journalism? Can you still get out and about and take photos of what's happening around the community? Absolutely, absolutely, and. You know, the other thing I did, and this is for anyone who's looking to pivot or use their skill set, which is this, figure out a, an outlet for it. So what I did, as soon as I saw the writing on the wall, I started an Instagram account where I was just documenting what I would see daily while walking my dog, because really we were supposed to stay at home, but because I have a dog, I have to go outside. So that was one outlet I used. And yes, I do use my photography for the local news show that I now uh, produce. Correct. Hmm. Well, at least you can get out with your dog. That's good. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, um, I guess one of the other things I was interested in, your uh, podcast, I know you've got several podcasts. Do you have any that involve guest conversations like we're having now? Sure, sure. In fact, one of them, well, two of them are co-hosted. And so there's always a conversation. But then <laughs> on those, sometimes we bring in a guest and then there are three conversations or three people in a conversation. But yes, I do interview and have guests on the show for sure, for sure. What, what can I answer for you about that? Well, I'm curious to know, how, how do you go about preparing your guest and setting them up? Given the experience I had with Podthon, I imagine it's a very thorough preparation. <laughs> you know what? I think Jürgen, your process is a lot more thorough than mine. So I never take unsolicited uh, people and I always extend a personal invitation. So I, when I acquire a guest, it's usually because I'm talking to them and I've connected with them. And then I say, oh, hey, uh, if you want to talk about XYZ and you want to come on the show, just let me know. It'd be great to have you. And then what I do, you know, then you ask for the profile photo, of course, and the bio. 
And is this the kind of information you're looking for? Your mm. should I keep going? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then at the beginning of the oh, and then I'll say you know we'll talk about X, Y, or Z, right? And let me know if there's something you don't want to talk about, because I'm not doing gotcha journalism. I I, I don't want to mm. do that, right? And then at the beginning, I will record their consent. You know, uh, could you please say and say your full name and spell it? What's the date you're agreeing to appear on this show? You know, the usual disclaimer stuff. And and then we just get right into it. And sometimes, you know, with a guest, you have to stop the recording and and mention a few things if if the show's not going or the episode recording is not going the way you think as the host it should be going. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that that's your journalism background. There, you've always got the confidence to know you've you have control and you can you can stop and course correct if things aren't working out as you as you want them. That's right. You know, because sometimes has this happened to you, where you think you've got a really interesting subject matter with a guest you think is has is is like uh, entertaining as well, right? And then it turns into a book pitch. Or they're just trying to sell their product, right? Has that ever happened to you? Oh yes. Right. Yes. I've had, I've had one that I went back and redid the whole episode because it was very self-centered. And even the second time around, I was probably, I probably, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't publish it. <laughs> right. Right. And so, mm. just know that we owe, we have. I give you all permission. I give you permission. <laughs> I give myself permission to stop hit pause on the record and say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you time at the end where you can mention this, but you've got to stop. Hmm. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to use this. And then you resume. And then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this has happened a couple of times. But I also think that when, when, we, when we do this, when we take this action where we say, hey, this is not, this is not, we don't do this here kind of a thing, hmm. then... The universe in, in some way stops sending guests like that because you've stated, yeah. you know, hmm. the cosmos or whatever, what your what your boundaries are. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm. Yeah, being really clear about the boundaries. But I think, you know, what you mentioned earlier is is the idea of reaching out personally to the guest and building that relationship to start with allows you to then jump in like you've described if if things are not um progressing properly if they're doing a pitch or so on it's funny because i was having a conversation last night with someone who has been on my show but we were to, we actually connected about something else and and we were having this conversation and i don't know how we got onto it but we were talking about um how do you the question came up of how do you manage a guest because he's a podcaster as well how do you manage a guest that comes on that you clearly can tell right from the get-go that you don't actually get on with this person you sort of you know, there's no human connection there so how do you manage that and i said well i've had that happen a couple of times what did you do what did you tell us what what did you do <laughs> well I, I just looked for the things common ground and and spoke about those and then dug into those so it was and you have to be prepared to let go of you know, I'm not going to be, this person's not going to be my best friend. 
and after this conversation the relationship may you know we may go our separate ways and never connect again and that's okay but right now it's about getting them to share what they have that's of value to my audience yes and i think you were very clear because you knew the goal you know and anytime you stop and you think or or you have to stop and think hmm is this going well you want to think about what your big picture goal is and whether going and continuing meets and fits with that. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And occasionally I've had a show where I thought, I don't think I'll publish this. So I've got some recordings that I've never published for whatever reason. But then I go back to the person, I say, look, you know, we're not going to publish this so, and give them the reason. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I've had to do that a couple of times too. I think we all have. You know, the more that you do it, uh, the more that will happen, but the easier it gets when those things do happen. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's right. And if you do, that's why I like your preparation and the philosophy of, you know, building that relationship up front. So first of all, you've you've decided that person's interesting enough to have on your show. So you approach them to bring them on then you have the conversation around uh, building the relationship first and let's talk about xyz because that's the thing that i think is really fascinating about you and would help my audience and um, then i think that sets the whole environment in a way that almost guarantees success yes i, I will say thank you for that and i will say that a couple of times when you speak to people one-on-one, -on -one, it seems fine, but then you put a microphone in front of them and they freeze. <laughs> and then yeah. I'm just like, I cannot use this. <laughs> mm. But in that case, you know, I, I really appreciated some of the information. So I, I just chopped it up and did voiceovers, you know. So sometimes you think something is unsalvageable or unusable, mm. if that's a word. And, and you can find the nuggets, like you were saying earlier, you know, go for what you wanted them to share. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, this is fascinating. I could uh, go on and talk some more about all these things, podcasting, photography, and we haven't even got on to bike, bike coach. I know you do a little bit of bike coaching. So tell us a little about that. Wow, thank you. That's a that's that's really funny that you mentioned that because yes, I was a concierge bike coach for many years and what that means is I just was a high-end coach that worked around my own hours and I mean I was certified, right? But uh before I do that, I wanted to ask you what kind of photography do you do? Me, I do probably mainly landscape and and animal photography. So I've at the moment I'm trying to capture these. Um, they're called purple-crowned lorikeets, who, for the first time since we've been in this house, which has been well over twenty years, um, they've come into the garden, into one of the flowering shrubs that we have here, and are feeding on those shrubs. They actually, they're around every year over in the park, but now they've come into the garden. So I started photographing them and I get lots of joy out of that because they're very colorful, but also they're very fast moving and they're really well camouflaged. So it's quite a challenge to photograph them. 
Wow. So you'll have to tell me offline, like what lens and stuff you use, but uh, you need to email me one of those pictures. I've got to see this. Okay. Uh, back to bike coaching. Well, I, I was in a previous life, I was a motorcycle instructor. And when I found out that you could become certified as a bicycle instructor, I thought, oh my gosh, what a no brainer. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I could probably reach and affect more people and change their lives and, and teaching children and adults how to ride and ride better, ride in traffic, commute, that kind of thing. And what was the question you, what, what am I supposed to be answering about that exactly? Yeah. Just tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. It's fascinating <laughs> how you got into right. that. So. Well, so, yeah. and, and, and a lot of and a lot of people marvel because they think everybody knows how to ride a bike. And, and that's not true. Mm. That's not true. And in fact, I a lot of my customers or clients were adults as well as children. And so, in fact, well, what I want to say about that is I started bike coaching. Well, yes, because it was easier than motorcycle teaching, right? But I also wanted something where I could work around my my son uh, because at the time I was a teacher and I took child care leave so that I could take care of him and I knew I wanted to plant the seeds of owning some kind of business and working for myself and that was what I had at hand and I and I really I still enjoy teaching and so I thought that was a way I could continue to work and do it on my own my own time and that's how that started but I did recently, when I decided to switch over to being a full-time photographer, I, I stopped becoming a bike coach, or I stopped being a bike coach. And in fact, I still get calls, you know, to this day about, oh, hey, can you help me? Like this one woman wanted to have help riding up a hill here in New York City that's very steep. And I, my answer to her was, so I basically ended up coaching her for free via Facebook Messenger because I didn't want her to go away feeling dejected. Oh, you're not teaching anymore. But like I, I, my theory and my philosophy is that anyone can ride up a hill. You just have to be in the right gear at the right time always. Really, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of, I mean, that that's a great um, note to finish that that little bike conversation on because there's a lot of fabulous metaphors that I sometimes take out of my bike riding and and the anyone can ride up any hill uh, you just have to be in the right gear is a great metaphor in business you know whenever you're facing a challenge hey you can get through you can get over this challenge you just have to have the right equipment and the right support that's right that's right what kind of bike riding do you do I do uh, lots of road riding. I also do a little bit of mountain bike riding, not single track stuff, just um, you know, nice fire tracks and uh, rail trails. Old rail trails are a lot of fun. And recently I put some wider tires on my road bike and started exploring some of the gravel roads here, which is fun too, because there's not a lot of traffic there. Nice. Hmm. Okay, well, this is been fabulous we've covered uh, podcasting we've covered uh, photography we've covered bike riding so i think we've hit all the, the passions that i have um, so it's probably a good time to move on to the buzz which is our innovation round and it's designed to help our audience and listeners who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience so i've got five questions and hopefully you'll give us real insightful answers that'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result today 
I hope so. Gosh, that's a lot of pressure, but I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Yes, I, I, you need to be you. You need to be yourself. Hmm. Hmm. And I know you've got a funny story there that goes with that. So tell us a little <laughs> bit more about, well, about that. Because, yeah. Right. Oh, my gosh. It's funny you bring that up. So what Jürgen is referring to is really capturing the essence of being one's self. And so what he's referring to is a recent PTA, Parent Teacher Association, election that came up. I was new to the school with my son because he moved out of elementary school. And there was a position open that I thought was be interesting. And as we all know, most positions within the PTA don't require an election because nobody wants to do them. <laughs> And so, but apparently I was wrong about this one position. And so there was a, another candidate and she was very experienced and had done a lot of good things for the school already. So she, she was sort of like an incumbent of sorts, although she'd never held that position before. And so basically I, I reached out to the candidate and I said, hey, because of these unprecedented times, do you want to do the job together? And she was basically like, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, game on. And so, and, and I couldn't withdraw because the, uh, the leadership had already posted our bios, right? And sent it out to all uh, the parent body. And I was like, okay, well, I'm in it now. And so basically I came up with this shtick where I used the recent uh, U.S. vice presidential uh, debate as part of it. Remember when uh, Mike Pence had a fly on his head? And <laughs> so I, I created a fly and I put it on my head. But before then, as I was about to go on, they called my name so that I could, you know, it was my turn to give the speech. And mind you, this is all during Zoom, and it's a live polling voting process. So you're sitting there while everybody's voting in front of you, right? So you've got to mm. smile and everything. So I thought, okay, I'm about to go on. They call my name. And in a split moment, uh, a moment of doubt, it was like, oh, should I, should I do the fly, the fly act? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I should do it. But then a split second later, literally the words were, nah, I just, I got to be me. And ultimately, I won the election with 60% of the vote <laughs> with a fly on my head yeah, <laughs> using yeah. a fly swatter. And uh, I'm happy to share the picture with you, Jurgen, later. But <laughs> in that moment, had I not been 110% Lee, I probably wouldn't have gotten 60% of the vote. I, who knows what would have happened? But because I was me and I did it in an authentic way, and that's when I say be you, be yourself, you've got to truly be you uh, and authentic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really important, isn't it? It's not put on an act that that's different to what people will experience when they work with you. And And I'm guessing that you had plenty of substance in your speech as well. Yes, yes, I, I thank you. I did. I gave I gave a good speech, I thought. And the thing is, they said that we had a minute and a half to give a speech. So as a speaker, I said, I said, what's the time limit? They gave me a minute and a half and I rehearsed and rehearsed to get it down to that minute and a half, whereas everybody else was like six, seven minutes. Literally, I was about yeah. to fall asleep. But yes, 
uh, you have to have substance and you have to, you just have to be authentic. I, mm. I know I sound like yeah. a broken record, but. <laughs> and, and the preparation is yes. another important part there, which yes. I think you glossed over a little bit there, but you rehearsed, rehearsed, but not just with in the timing. So I'm, I'm assuming that you also made sure that the message was still very clear, even though you probably trimmed what you started with down to that 90 seconds. Yes. And doing it all, all doing that 90 seconds and figuring out the best adhesive. So the fly on my head would stick and, <laughs> and how to position the fly swatter. So the zoom camera would hit it just right. I mean, a lot goes into an election y'all, <laughs> even if it's zoom. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Yeah, be myself, literally. So, and I, I, I know it sounds maybe mundane and boring, but if if we are ourselves and we're allowed, we allow ourselves to be ourselves, then we have the freedom to brainstorm and come up with the wackiest, craziest, awesome, wonderful ideas, and to pick from those and see see which stick. Hmm. All right. And, and of course, take action on them. Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. Now, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? So I love transcription, uh, AI, artificial intelligence, right? Transcription. So uh, wait, state the question one more time. The, my favorite resource? Yes. Favorite resource. Yeah. Yes. That's mm. my favorite resource. Yep. Mm. So you use it for all your podcasting? So I use it also, you know what I, it's, it's one of my productivity tips and what I do with it in addition to transcription for podcasting is I use it to write books. So when I'm walking my dog, I'm also working because I hold my recorder up to my mouth and I, and I, I chat up a chapter. <laughs> and then when I have it transcribed, I have the draft of my chapter or section. So that that's a that's one tip that I I absolutely adore and I try to tell everybody. So I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah, yeah, it's a great great way to do that. And uh, one of the other things I I've been using it for more and more recently is to you know you talked earlier about repurposing content. If you take let's say a podcast and transcribe it, but then take that transcription and just really tighten it up and, and turn it into a complete blog post, or it might be um, a solo video that I've done. I've done a lot of that with, with the videos that I've done and then use that transcription as part of the either, you know, whether it's a, a blog post or um, a lesson that we're doing for some of our courses. That's right. That's right. And you can pull from it and use quotes for social media posting as well. You can do a, a lot of things with, with con once you've created the content, you, there's so many options. You're absolutely right. Hmm. Wonderful. All right. And now what's the best way to keep a project on track? Best way to keep a project on track is accountability. So you can buddy up with someone and agree to check in at such and such time or uh, or you can have uh, a group of people and do what's called co-working session pods where you keep open either Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or email, some kind of, or even a Google Groups. And whenever you want to 
get work done, you can say, hey, anybody up for co-working today and, you know, open up a Zoom link and, and, and do the work and maybe even use a Pomodoro timer, you know, the 25 minute increments yeah. of work type timer. Yeah. Yeah. The accountability is a really powerful motivator, isn't it? And I, I like the idea of the the uh, session pods, the co-working session pods. You could even do it on Zoom and have people on video so you can see them. Yes. <laughs> Make sure they're not yes. goofing off doing something else. <laughs> well, what what normally happens is you say hey, you check in, and then you turn it on, you turn off the video and the the mute, the microphone, and in twenty five minutes or whatever the determined agreed upon time is, then after that the buzzer goes off, and then you say hey, how's it going? Did you get it done? Should we do another one? That kind of thing. But you could keep okay. the video mm. on if you wanted, for sure. Mm. So it's kind of like a mix of the Pomodoro with an accountability buddy, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> mm. All right. And you've probably answered this already, but I'll ask it anyway. What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? <laughs> Be yourself. <laughs> and what you said is take action on being yourself. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And you've given us plenty of examples of that, how you do it and and ideas for how to be authentic around that as well. Yes. And, you know, if I could just add, when you have an inkling of an idea, go for it. Don't sit on it because you could regret it later or you might not have an amazing opportunity develop because of it. So I would say I'm about going for it, doing it, and then it's not being perfect, but it's done. And also mm. no regrets. Absolutely. Do stuff. If you think you'll regret not doing it, uh, then you should probably do it, you know, as long as it's law abiding and doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. And I love the done is better than perfect philosophy. Mm. All right. Well, thanks, Lee. This has been really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Sure. The easiest way is Lee at houseofleenyc.com. All right. Well, that's easy. Uh, we'll post that in the show notes to make sure people find it. And then I know there's a whole lot, lot of resources there um, that point out to your different podcasts and other activities. Yes, thank you. All right. Now, do you have some parting advice for our listener today? Take action, whatever it is you're <laughs> sitting on. And taking action doesn't have to be some ginormous movement. It can be as simple as making a phone call. It can be as simple as sending out an email or even looking at your email and answering your email. Now, you might be thinking, well, I would love to answer the emails, but I just don't have the answers right now. Well, here's the answer you can give always is always be in the flow of where you are and who you are. And so if you don't know the answer to an email, you must absolutely respond and just say, hey, uh, I need to get back to you on that, but I've received your email. Thank you. And you'll hear back from me X, Y, Z, or I'm really not sure to be quite honest. And I need some time to think about blah, blah, blah. Right. But always answer those uh, inquiries and emails and calls, even if you don't know the answer, because you don't always have to know the answer. I guess, I guess that would be my other tip. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I, uh, that's, and it comes back to that human relationship bit, doesn't it? Because um, it's like, don't leave people wondering. And, and we talked about the um, rejection from the events before where, you know, that 
fits into this um, this recommendation. Um, if if you're saying no to somebody, just come right out and say no, but be quite open and honest. And the rejection, you know, no. I mean, this is the approach I take when I get a rejection. I say it's not about me, and that's we should actually take that approach when we're giving a rejection. It's not about the person. That's right. And here's the other thing about rejection. It's a double-edged sword. So what I mean by that is, in general, rejection is protection. We are being protected from something from that situation and or being directed or redirected to something bigger and greater and more amazing. And here's the thing. The other part of it is, once you reject someone like from an application process or even like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to go out tonight. Uh, Ask someone else. You know, that leaves that other person to go on to bigger and better things Hmm. from your offer, right? So sometimes when we reject things and people, we're actually helping those people and those things become greater. So that's kind of neat to see unfold Hmm. over time as well. So once you get over the grieving process of the rejection, which, you know, sometimes some rejections are harder than others to swallow, right? then that leaves you open to so many other things. And in fact, uh, because I was rejected twice, I was rejected both times. So if I had not been rejected these very these two specific times, I would not have become a bike instructor and I would not have started my podcast and I would not be sitting before you today. So there you go. Mm, yeah, it's a wonderful reframe, isn't it? All right. And finally, then, who else should I have on this show and why? So I think you should have Danielle Desir on and I think you should have Andrew Wong on. And the reason is because Danielle Desir is the co-founder of Mm. Podthon and Andrew Wong is the co-founder of Asian American Podcasters Association. And he has his own podcasting education arm called podcast gym i think and so he's a wonderful resource a wealth of information uh and his interest he likes music he plays the guitar Mm. he's very modest about it but i'm outing you now andrew (laughs) (laughs) all right well we'll stay tuned for an invitation andrew and and danielle we have been talking to danielle but i need to follow up on where that's at uh, to make sure that we do get Danielle on the show. So, um, yeah, thanks for those suggestions, Lee. And thanks also for sharing your time and your insights so generously with us today. I really enjoyed this. We've explored a whole lot of areas that I'm passionate about too. So we hit it off straight away. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's so, you easy. Know, <laughs> offline, you and I have to go on a photo biking trip. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I have to ride up that hill in New York City yeah, there you go. When, when we can travel again. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that engaging and informative conversation with Lee and took something away from her episode. Lee's clarity of focus was evident throughout our conversation and her action focus, along with experimentation, the whole concept of done is better than perfect philosophy, are really inspiring. I'd love to know what you took away from Lee's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Lee Wehara. 
That is L-E-E-U-E-H-A-R-A, or lowercase, all one word, inovabiz.co forward slash Lee Wehara. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Lee, as well as links to her website, the House of Lee NYC podcast, her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, please share it with two other people that it might help. It's really important to get this wonderful information that my guests are sharing out into the world and to into the ears of people it could help. Tag me in that share and I'll reach out to you with a special surprise. Lee suggested that we have a conversation with the other co-host of Podthon, Danielle Desir, and with Andy Wang, managing partner at Runnymede Capital Management and host of the Inspired Money podcast on future InnovaBus podcast episodes. So Danielle and Andy, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBus podcast, courtesy of Lee Wehara. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got more fantastic guests lined up, including wealth mentor Jackson Milan and business strategy and marketing consultant Mike Moll. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember... Be awesome and keep innovating.